Do we have any gimmicky things to open up our show with? Oh, usually we do something stupid. Or we just talk and something stupid happens. <laughs> this is true. This show contains badass material and foul f-ing language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? Nostalgia really whips the llama's ass. Is there anything from your childhood that you remember, like scary stories from around your neighborhood, or like your your friends used to tell you, your or that just stories that got passed around? Not in my neighborhood, but my dad would always make up stories just to scare you. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah, well, I guess they were more ghost stories, but I do remember in Sackville, New Brunswick, when I was like super young, mm-hmm. there was just this like derelict house, Ooh. and the legend was, you know, of course, that it was like the haunted house. But, like, man, being a little kid, like, I never wanted to cut through that yard. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to, like, walk by it. It was always just, like, really, really scary. Mm -hmm. I don't know if these qualify. These are more, like, rumor kind of stories. Okay. The girl that pleasured herself with a frozen hot dog and it went in half. (laughs) That ever happened to you? No. 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 You ever heard that story before? I mean, like, I knew a girl, but... None that I grew up with as yeah. an urban legend. I just wanted to hear scary stories when I was a kid. Yeah. I guess. That's what I was, I was yeah. just thinking. Like all those famous urban legends are only ones that I've seen or heard about through movies or books. Like never actually in my neighborhood did like, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the vanishing hitchhiker or the, mm, the hook hand, the hook hand. Yes, exactly. Ooh, remember the, yeah, that story of, uh, I used to have this like scary story collection book and mm-hmm. the one about a boy and girl on a date. They go to the lake in their car. It's late at night and the radio's on and on the radio, all of a sudden it says there's an escaped mental patient yeah. or escaped convict. Yeah. And he wears, his, he wears a hook on his hand. Yeah. And in this particular story, all of a sudden there starts being like knocking on their car and they're like, oh no, what's that? We don't see anything. We got to get away. So they like race away. Mm-hmm. And when they get back to the house, the, the boyfriend's all mad and the girl's like, I just want to go home. And she's all like scared and mad. And he opens the door and goes around to her side to like let her out and hanging on the door handle is a bloody hook like that's a good story <laughs> that is that's a classic story so i bought that book recently for danny mm. uh scary stories to tell in the dark and that's in it the big toe lots of lots of really cool retro maybe not nostalgia because i'm not nostalgic for them uh but they bring back that time when you're a kid they've existed forever oh man and they've worked themselves into all the movie and the pop culture have you ever heard of the one of the two podcasters in the basement no okay so there's these two podcasters in the basement and they try to make an entertaining show week after week they share their memories and their nostalgia and they try to link it up with other people out there in the world but then wait what's that wait oh Oh my god oh my god (laughs) we're back Uh, Kyle, what are you drinking? A propeller, once again, always. Well, something always East Coast. Uh, Propeller Brewing IPA. And also, because it's hot out. Hot. Boy, she hot. Yeah, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I just made made that voice up. I don't even know what that was. Boy, she hot out today, what? Boy, she hot out today. That's that's that one guy at Canadian Tire at the tire center counter (laughs) that's there all day. Doesn't own a car. It's just hanging out. Uh, but yes, Tropic Haze, Summer Ale, Passion Fruit, Dragon Fruit. So good. I had it. It's like juice. I hate it when they make something so juicy and so tasty. 
<laughs> so tasty. And you've also got, and then just an old faithful tall ship, Garrison Tall Ship Ale. You know, Tall Ship by Garrison. <laughs> yeah, that's a throwback. Um, and I've got Propeller. Hey, Sabro, seven point five percent double Indian Pale Ale. You got dose of them? Dose. <laughs> so fifteen <15%? laughs> percent. Is that how that works? I guess if you drink them both at the same time. No, wait, it'll still just be seven. It still would be seven. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, you're drinking more. I don't think you know how science works, Kyle. <laughs> I don't think I do either. Give me another beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these companies just write things off all the time. <laughs> write it off of what? You don't know what writing off means. No, but they do. And they're the ones writing it off. And Jerry's just like, I wish I had the last five seconds of my life back. <laughs> The idea of this was born in Nia DaCosta's long-awaited remake Jordan Peele produced of classic Candyman. God. Uh, so I have, I'm not, I've not read up anything about it. I don't know how they're going to rework it, but I'm going to go in. I, I want to go in as cold as possible because yeah. the original is just so awesome and just yeah. so well, well loved. But, it, but it's nice to see these urban legends can live on and that you want to believe it and you want to get into it. Hmm. Movie like Candyman will definitely work. 2021, produced by Jordan Peele. Hello. I know, exactly. Oh, man, it's going to be so awesome. So good. But yeah, the original uh, in what we're talking about today is urban legend movies. The biggest one of all has to be Candyman, I would say. It affected me as a kid. It's almost like even though it was a movie and I knew that it was fake, that idea of saying Candyman into the mirror really translated to real life. And I was actually scared to do it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you don't know if it's real or not. That's the whole fun of it, I guess. But isn't that funny? It is crazy because... You know, even though it's uh, uh, penned by, you know, Clive Barker in terms of its story, it's a riff off of an already existing urban legend, Bloody Mary. Yes. Say Bloody Mary in the mirror and you say Candyman. But it's just so, it's so Clive Barker. Hmm. The name of the short story, uh, The Forbidden. Yes. Follows the same premise. The story was set in the UK. And so then Bernard Rose and his team behind Candyman. Excellent, excellent director. 20 years later, 30 years later, I think the film's true impact really comes through in what it's actually about in terms of racism yeah in terms of white privilege yes while the story itself is fake the Candyman thing the setting the cabrini green project in chicago are a very real place and a very a story very rooted in just insane racism and i read the whole story about what how, how it was built and if anybody from nova scotia knows the story of africville it's almost exactly the same thing how they, because of the area they were in, they, they, they made these people move into this area. They took away their rights pretty much based on their address. They refused to give them like essential services. Response time for like emergency services was like delayed. And it's just now Chicago is obviously on such a larger scale than Africville. But man, this, it's just crazy how those stories happened throughout yeah. history. And so, yeah, I read this great article about how Helen in Candyman is actually the real villain. She's like, oh, I'm going to make a difference, even though she really doesn't care about the people in Cabrini Green. She wants to write a story about them. She wants to use them for information, you know? Yeah. It's all for building herself up Mm -hmm. in a career as opposed to solving a problem or addressing an issue. Even her friend uh, is black. She almost uses her, like literally as kind of like a weird human shield. Like mm-hmm. to walk in, she makes sure that she's with her when she walks into these projects to like diffuse, I guess, the idea of a yep. rich looking white person in this, you know. But yeah, so even Candyman, the urban legend gets created out of one of those stories of racism where the Candyman person in the movie was, uh, he, I think he was like well to do or something. He was, you know, he had, he was moderately successful, but he dared to date a white woman and get a white woman pregnant. 
So they they lynched him and murdered him. Um, so Candyman comes back as a yes. vengeful spirit to exact his revenge. Yes, classic urban legend kind of tale. Sure, of revenge. Yeah, taking a look at what this film was 19 years ago, and then what this film still unfortunately is mm-hmm. 19 years later in 2021, um, and obviously produced by Jordan Peele. Of course, it's going to share a similar narrative. Oh, I can only imagine it's going to be updated in all the the best. Slash worst ways. Yes, you know what I mean? The best of the worst. Yeah. And that's where the true horror is, is in the reality. Yeah. And that's where urban legends thrive, is how real do they come across? Yes. There was another movie you were talking about how they exist because people like talk about them. They whisper about them. They keep keep that dialogue flowing. They keep the legend alive. That's how they survive. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much an urban legend as it is a reality based off of something that's almost unbelievable. Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And that's horrific. It is, yeah. And there's the horror. I know. Urban legend also, in, in Candyman at least, exists to paint Candyman as... The villain. What's wrong with right the story? When in reality, he's just like taking revenge over the wrong that was done to him, but seen through all the, you know, the whitewashing, let's whitewashing. say. Yeah. You know, they, they've created this narrative or painted this picture that Candyman is... It, over the years, like that classic game of telephone thing where it's like you talk... You say something to somebody. Hey, there's an urban legend. Telephone. And they say something different. They say something different. You know, over the years it gets passed down, but the reality is much darker. And, and if you don't pass it along, someone kills you. Yeah. <laughs> someone kills you. That's apparently the urban oh, legend. Oh, yeah. If you don't pass it along, someone kills that. you. Jeez. Yeah, that's why we hope for the listeners, because we don't want that to happen to us. Uh-oh. Hey. <laughs> Check those numbers. Check those numbers. Come on, someone, just one. Okay, well that uh, I think that leads us right into I, a movie. I if I were thinking about the same movie, you go for it. I was thinking you said if 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 you don't pass it along, someone kills you. I mean that idea. Oh baby. I mean it works right into it. What's that blank videotape you have on top of your? <laughs> I don't want to put that in just in case it's not the tape from Ring. Yeah, <laughs> or, or Ringu. Yeah. Kyle, have you seen this VHS that I found? <laughs> yeah. Please, just watch it. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what's on it, but no. you you need to watch it, and I need to leave the room. But you you, you stay and watch it, because you need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a kind of an awesome story. Like a, Seven days. Yeah, a perfect like urban legend type story. Yeah. of Even in the movie, I think they, they heard about the tape. Yes. The kids hear about, they've known about the tape that if you watch it, you're going to die in seven days unless someone else watches it. But they don't even think it's real until they actually they see start it. dying. Yeah, and they see it and they get the call. I love that opening scene. At oh, least, man, because they're they're kind of it's like a scream esque. Definitely is. But that opening scene where the two girls are over for a sleepover and they are they're talking about the legend. No, it's not real. Whatever. And <laughs> the, the phone rings and the way they both look at the phone and then her friends like, do you like watch actually watch this tape? And her friend's face is so terrified. She did. It's she, perfect. She never expected it to be real. Yeah. The idea of a haunted cursed videotape can be traced back to the chain letters and other such modern myths. The character was based on the ancient Japanese legend from the 1300s where a servant girl named Okiku didn't require the romantic advances of the samurai named Ayama and who was forced to become his slave anyway. Okiku committed suicide by throwing herself down the well and haunting Ayama to the point of insanity. Oh. That is the real urban legend that was a catalyst for nice. the urban legend of the ring. Never knew that. I like how it's like he they haunts her to the point of insanity because that's kind of like when they find these people that have watched or whatever has visited them to kill them. 
Yeah. Remember like in the ring, like especially in the remake, they had more money to do some nice effects, but when they open the cl- in Amber Tamblin's <sighs> face, <laughs> you oh know what I mean? Oh my god. That still gets me to this day. It's a scary face. Yeah. yeah. I saw her face. <laughs> <laughs> Still so good to this day. Because of the success of The Ring, the American remake, The Grudge, Darkwater, mm-hmm. and all the Japanese horror, mm-hmm. old boy, and try to Americanize or whitewash them <laughs> so that they were popular and profitable. But ultimately, you go back and watch those originals. Now, personally for me, The Ring, I like better than Ring You, but I love Juon. Out of all of them, I was going to say Juwan is probably the best for me. That leads perfectly into something like you mentioned, Juwan. In in the Grudge, the idea I think just like exists. They don't really talk about it too much in terms of like legend. The idea is someone who dies in a terrible rage leaves behind a curse in that specific area. Anyone enters that area is cursed to then die a terrible rage or something. That's the idea of Juwan the Grudge. Yeah, it's almost like they don't know. In the movie about the grudge. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah you're right. Because although there is a legend to be told. This one house is where it takes place. And it's haunted by Toshio the boy. And of course the main girl that was murdered. Miyako? Murdered. Oh yeah. He, yeah. Murdered by her husband. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't go in that house. Yeah. So Kayako and her son are inspired by the Japanese myth of a vengeful spirit driven by anger or tragedy who can do physical harm to the living. Tales of Onryo have been around since the days of the samurai, and thanks to films like Juon, they continue the tradition of fear. Amazing. I didn't know that. There you go. This is, this is, this is good. This is I, good. Like, I like this. So this, is, this was part of our, what qualifies as an urban legend horror film? Mm-hmm. Is it presenting as an urban legend that is spooky enough that you'll think about as an urban legend, or is it truly inspired by an urban legend? I like I like the idea of both. Yes. It doesn't have to be both at the no, same no, time, no. but I love the idea of taking a legend that you know of and making a movie about it. Like something, because yeah, I never would have known about the kind of history or the legend of Juwan. No. Um, but that movie is so terrifying. But I think that's what works for that movie is that it does such a great job of creating such a spooky story mm. that anytime you watch a grudge movie, you're like, don't go in that fucking house. And now also, <laughs> I believe in the grudge curse. Sure. It plays into those fears, like say if you're buying a... I mean, not because of the grudge, but when you go to, let's say you're buying a new house and yep. someone says a murder has happened here, yep. don't want to live here. You know, that right kind away. of idea. Get out. <laughs> well, that there, that is true. And maybe that's due to your own belief system or whatever the case may be. But sometimes you walk into a place not knowing anything about it and you have a vibe mm-hmm. can stay with you about a place without seeing anything like Unfortunately, when we were buying our house, like we were shopping around, we walked into one house and we walked in through the threshold. We were both like, nope. Really? And then we found out that it was like a horrible divorce. You know, like it was a really like broken home and all that stuff. And it was like, yep, no, I'm good. I didn't want to be in that house. Are you serious? Yeah. And you didn't know before? We did not know beforehand. Wow. Divorces happen all the time. Obviously 50% of the time. But you had a, to the fact you had a feeling. But we walked into the house and it felt cold and vacant and unwelcoming. Like if, if the world was color, we walked into something sepia toned or cold blue steel. Man. It had a vibe. It was no good. Like, you know, a house that has been um, like just cigarettes smoked in and the walls are just a little off color. And it's just years and years of that. I wonder if that you, kind you of energy. You can see the outline of the painting that was on the wall. Uh, yeah. I wonder if the ener- if that kind of energy can leave its imprint. If, you know, if it was a bad house to live in, 
You know, well, that's kind of crazy. I'm Robert Stack. This and more on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh man, that makes me, I'm already got goosebumps. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're two bitches watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of TV, so you don't have to. You can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram and Twitter at BitchWatchPod. Is our show original? No. Entertaining? We hope so. This is BitchWatch. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter, it's what you do with it. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm off now because I've got to go and scream. Absolutely garbage. Paulie Shaw is somebody I don't really give a fuck about. He did kick me off the arse! <laughs> nice, nice argument there. Oh, shut up. Shut up, you Oh, there's a finger. I, I almost urinated. Tune in next week because I just can't stop loving you guys. It's the Batman jeans. No more Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that leads me actually into, let me, I'll talk briefly about, I did see a movie recently. Okay. It's a brand new movie. Yes. 2020. Uh, it's on Shutter right now. It just came out and actually kind of mimics, it's both the idea of The Grudge and Candyman. Candyman in setting, grudge in subject, Delivery? subject matter. Okay. Uh, so it's called Candisha. And I don't know if this is an actual legend, but the movie presents itself as there's a group of young kids and they're graffiti. They're just roaming the streets of France and they're going into vacant buildings and doing graffiti in the vacant mm-hmm. buildings. And as they're doing it, they come across a, uh, some lettering that says Candisha. And so one of the friends goes, oh, I know this story. And, you know, and then the, 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 the campfire and the circle of sure. friends. So it tells about this vengeful spirit, this Moroccan legend. She was wronged and she takes her revenge out on men. It's the idea that the men that have wronged her. Mm. So you can conjure her up by saying her name. Right. Candyman. Mm. And she will come and she will destroy the men in your life that you want in the person's life that conjures her. It's almost like a a bodyguard. Like, I want you to attack these people and all, all the people around her. So then, of course, all her male friends start to die and it's about... She meets this old priest and this policeman that knows the legend. They uh-huh. try to help her. Like, so it's the movie ends up being very paint by numbers. Okay. But there's great horror sequences. And I always just, I'm a sucker for, you know, the legend of type stories. Yeah, most you know? certainly. She is like a, a, a villain, like a, a demon. Mm-hmm. She has these hooves and she's a beautiful woman in the, on the top and stuff. And she has a veil, dark black eyes. Like, it's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Aisha Kandisha. That's very spooky. Yeah. It was directed by the two guys that did Inside. Oh, Alexand- French Extreme. Alexander Bustillo and Julianne Mori. But it's so it's crazy. I, I love Inside so much. That movie wasn't that big of a hit, I guess. But to me, it was in my world. So, but it's just those. Horrifying. I just don't know what these guys are up to. All of a sudden, a new, <laughs> a new movie shows up. I'm like, are you kidding? The guys from Inside to this new movie on Shudder. Yeah. So it's very stylish and very, it's, it's worth a watch. Awesome. That leads me into another spooky woman. And that is The Curse of La Llorona. Yes. Or is it La Llorona? Okay. I don't know. 
All right. I don't mean to correct you. No, I don't know. I don't know know either. In its basic form, it tells the story of a woman named Maria who married a rich man and had two children with him. When she finds him cheating, she drowns her two children. In some versions, she also drowns herself afterward. After dying, she is repelled from heaven's gate and returns to earth as the weeping woman who hovers above the ground in a white nightgown and wails constantly in search of her children. That is a great ghost story. Yeah. I mean, that is a great legend kind of story. Man, that's a creepy image. And it's, what's weird about this is that there's two movies. Mm. Yes, there is. That came out very... Almost back to back. So the curse of La Llorona, was that like a found footage? What's the found footage one? Uh, done by the paranormal activity guys or right we do we do our research here on this podcast well we drink a lot <laughs> yeah the curse of la Llorona. i don't think it was very well received no but there was one that shutter released just called la Llorona, yes which was a very serious it wasn't a a scare fest but it it was the idea of that story the father's like a very powerful man and he's being accused of a bunch of like really bad war crimes all of a sudden this new housekeeper shows up she is the embodiment of la Llorona. takes her event like that movie's really awesome although very slow and not really scary but the idea of la Llorona as a vengeful spirit you know very very cool and especially like the uh, playing up the the mother cart something very very strong about that bond which if you are a ghost you're gonna get what you want i know but like so she murders her children in response to what her husband does but then like she haunts the world crying searching for her children Mm. but she knows where they are do you know what she did (laughs) she knows what she did but yeah it's a very very awesome story very cool i mean if this was a top 10 if this was a top five which is strange because this movie doesn't appear on any of the lists we researched or any of the discussions about urban legends but if when i think of an urban legend it's about a story that exists in a community it's been passed down through generations uh that it's little talked about but everybody knows about it Hmm. So to me, the Blair Witch Project is a perfect example of an urban legend kind of movie because that's what the whole purpose of their documentary is. They're, they're going to make a documentary about the Blair Witch in Burkittsville, Maryland. And they yeah. want and they interview the local townspeople. They want to know the local legends. and A.K.A. Blair. A.K.A. Blair. Formerly Blair. I, I always love why. how she says this. We stand in the town limits of Burkittsville, Maryland. Formerly Blair. Because, yeah, in the 1800s is when the Blair Witch existed. Right. A woman whose feet never touched the ground, they say. It's and awesome. And then, remember that crazy old woman that they interview and she says that she was a little girl playing by the pond, playing with her little pool, and she looked up, she felt like something was near, and she looked over and there was a woman in a shawl, yeah. uh, body covered completely in, like, horse hair, like, like just staring at her. Like that's, that's a that's a great image. It's a great image because those that's the lore that yeah, that's, builds that gets passed down uh, an urban legend. So us as an audience who doesn't know this legend, we're learning about it in real time as we're watching a movie play out the urban legend. Yes, itself, which is also cool because kind of meta because the film created an urban legend about itself. <laughs> yeah, and then made presented it as real. Oh my God, like how the genius. world believed it. This was more more successful in terms of the outcome than Cannibal Holocaust, but it's very similar in the sense that it was talked about as a reality and we were watching something we shouldn't have been watching. Mm-hmm. You know, and it took some convincing to find out that it was not the case. But um, here's what I do have a uh, little, little bit that I put together. Uh, filmmaker circulated flyers at the 1999 Sundance Film Festival claiming the film was real and that it had been shot by the three hikers who'd been killed under mysterious circumstances. See, already, 
if you're part of the Sundance Film Festival Man. and you're holding this flyer, like that's like one of those things like wish you were like wish you were there kind of moments. Man, to be at that Sundance Film Festival where the Blair Witch Project exploded. And everyone in the town was like, man, what's the hell? This movie, this weird, real movie that they have, this documentary footage. Wish you were here. <laughs> the legend goes back to a Maryland town called Burkesville, formerly known as Blair, where seven children went missing in the late 1800s. In the 1940s, an old hermit who had actually killed the seven children came down from the mountains and blamed it on the fictitious Blair Witch. Like, how cool is this story? That's, I mean, that's that movie's still scary. I actually watched it. It's on Prime, I think, and I watched it recently. And it's still amazing. It's still so good. The movie's about the three people going crazy. Yeah. I almost wish they gave a sense of how long they were stuck in the woods, almost like a Groundhog Day thing. We don't really know how long he was stuck in that town on Groundhog Day. We don't know how long they were lost in the woods, but they go through so many different stages of like insanity in that movie. Like there's a scene, one scene where Heather's just, um, her camera's just fixed on Mike and he's, he's just literally rocking back and forth underneath the tree. So I'd like to, I like to think that they were, they were stuck in there for weeks. Yeah. Like with no food. You know, almost I mean? like a Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, of sorts. exactly. They just couldn't get out. And yeah, they slowly went crazy. And at the mo- the moment of at the at the the peak moment of pure insanity of like borderline just gone, that's when the Blair Witch attacked and sent them that house. Mm. Like all of a sudden, they find this house in the middle of the woods. That, oh my god! That, and so, what's even creepier about the legend that the filmmakers created? They said the the documentary footage was found underneath the ruins. The foundations of an old house. So the house. They get that. So the house in the Blair Witch Project is a. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Is there such thing as a ghost house? Yeah, apparently. I think so. (laughs) I think so. But how did you get the footage to be released? They said it was found in the underneath. Right, but so there was just the camera equipment was just there. Oh, but who found it and released it? The filmmakers. They were on a hike. I don't know. Aren't they part of the? mystery now too? I know like how do those people get to go in the woods and not get affected by the Blair Witch but this is this is the point when this came out in 1999 and I can't believe it was so late in the 90s I thought it was like mid 90s because this movie when it came out like we literally all thought that this was real and legit I did too I remember yeah. Spin Magazine made an article about it um, did they actually report that it was real at first and then they had to like walk it back I forget mm-hmm. I just remember reading an art- some kind of article in Spin Magazine where it's like well I gotta see this movie I was like so excited for it. Fake news. Yeah, that is fake news. But that's, oh man, so good. So good. Actually, I'm going to call, I mean, I'm going to call that my number one urban legend horror film. Definitely. Definitely. I've decided. All right. All right. (laughs) Now we're talking about, um, you know, slipping through the the grasp of sanity. Mm -hmm. Borderline obsessive leading on kind of a witch hunt. No pun intended. I'm going to go with eight millimeter. Same year. Now, what of 8mm is uh, urban legend? Well, it's the legend of the snuff film. Hey, since we're talking about something heavy, might as well loosen up a bit. <laughs> Kyle's going to take his first sip ever of the Tropic Haze. Oh, good, 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 good. Isn't that good? Oh, that is good. <laughs> That's <laughs> that a little actually, too good. Actually is too good. Yeah. All right, back to the snuff film. So the urban legend of... A snuff film is, is it real or fake? Now, you and I talked about this on our traumatizing kid moments, right? You know, when you're in your teens in high school and then you come across, you know, pre-dark web, come across footage, is this real or not? Mm -hmm. And of course, I brought up the unknown Russian soldier video where it's like a full-on decapitation 
of this soldier at up close point blank, but it was so graphic and visceral that I want to believe that it's real. That's the one with the knife through the neck. Yeah. I think that one was actually real. I know. And, and I, I saw, watched that I way saw that. too much. I saw that too, way too young. Yeah. Way too young, way too much. And there was a there was a second version of it where you see it all the way through to like the full on decapitation. And it's like, wow, like I, I, I watched this. I know. And yeah. like, I think it's because, you know what I mean? Sometimes you can just tell when things are. I think you really can tell when things are fake mm. uh, in terms of, I guess, you know, yeah. actors uh, effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, st- I can. Man, it's funny. Like I can still see that playing out in my mind. That's oh. it's one of those moments, you know, that really imprints on you. And his reaction, and just the way the knife goes in the neck, I'm like, well, that was real. Like, yeah. There's just no two ways about it. No two ways about it. You know, it's like trying to lighten the mood. Um, when, when we're talking about something like real and gross and something that you come across, you know, from your youth, then you see elements of it in other pop culture or or in movies. Like for instance, in Videodrome, they become so obsessed over a broadcast coming in, a pirate broadcast of literal torture, which is essentially a snuff film. Now in the case of eight millimeter, it is a really dark, dark movie right around. It's got that vibe of like seven fight club, Mm -hmm. very dark dingy, grimy, bad lieutenant um, kind of vibe. But he is a man on a mission to find not only is it real, but who made it. And then we find out that it is real. When did you last watch this? A long time ago. I watched it pretty recently. Yeah? And? and it's um, I totally forgotten about it, but it just it speaks to my love of those kind of movies. I love movies. Like I've said before, you have this story, you don't know whether it's real or not, and it turns out to be real. And like, that's terrifying to me. That's like a true urban life. When it's like, do you really want to know? Like, I don't know if you really want to know the truth because the truth is it's, it's real. You can't handle the truth. Like you don't want to know that it's real. And I think that's the point of the movie. The idea that sometimes there's no point. So yeah, the movie starts out with like this billionaire. Let's say he's a billionaire. He's a rich guy. He dies yes. and his wife finds this old eight millimeter film reel in like his safe. She never knew about this thing. Not a good, not a good find. She and her lawyer watch it and it shows a woman like it's almost like starts as a kind of a weird porn film that turns into her being murdered by this. Like remember the, the gimp from Pulp Fiction? He has like the, the bondage mask. Yes. So she hires Nick Cage. He's a private investigator and she just goes, I just want to know if this is, I can't live the rest of my life without knowing if this was an actual girl who got murdered. So it sends them to like this dark underbelly of like snuff films, the legend of snuff films, like dark film producers, like we talked about in Censor. Yeah. That that underground kind of film producers and stuff. And like it, it feels like he's wandering the same streets as Maniac. Yeah, for sure. And you know, needless to say, spoiler alert, sorry if you haven't seen eight millimeter from like twenty years ago. Uh it's all true. (laughs) <laughs> and he finds out, and but I think the point of the movie is that... Wait, she actually hired Nick Cage in real life? <laughs> yeah, the point is, because he wants to know why. And the point is, there's no why. It's it's money. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is money, but sometimes, and this speaks to even something as simple, and not an urban legend, but you could see how quickly something could turn into that. The premise of the movie, No Country for Old Men. Yes. Sometimes evil just doesn't die. Exactly. And it's and the fact that it's evil, that's its motivator. Evil is indifferent. Like what do you what's the reason? There's there's no reason. No. Like Ted why did Ted Bundy kill 
He just he wanted to kill. And there's you know he wasn't in he was brought up by good parents. He was actually well to do. He was going up in the political system. He was a good looking dude. Why did he murder <laughs> to like thirty women? Sure, just because that's yeah. what he wanted to do. You know, that's what eight millimeter is about. But yes, eight millimeter. You know just, who was not a good looking serial killer? Who? David Burke. Yeah, that motherfucker. That that screams run. <laughs> yeah. Or as Red says, run. Oh my god. I'll always try to work in either Doctor Otto or us reference. <laughs> you love, yeah. Join Jackie and Danielle, two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees who are re-watching some of their favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s on the No More Late Fees podcast. And remember, be kind and rewind. Stoner Chicks. We're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed. I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm Phoebe Richards. If you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd. So subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. (laughs) So now let's go into some movies where... These are actual urban legends that get passed down generation to generation. So while the movies themselves might not deal in the discussing of the urban legend, it's about the concept. And so one of the ur- one of those timeless concepts of an urban legend is the babysitter mm. going into a house. Mm. She's there by herself. She starts getting obscene or starts getting phone calls. Maybe they're obscene. Maybe it's just silence. That's creepy to me. Just like she's the like, breathing. hello. Yeah, the breathing, exactly. So that makes me think of, I mean, the purest form of that idea to me is when a stranger calls. 1979. Yeah. So that title alone and just, you know, the call is coming from within the house. She That's calls terrifying, yeah. dude. And I remember reading, I again, I had one of those books where that story existed in another form where she calls, of course, she calls the police. I'm getting obscene phone calls. Okay, next time they call, keep them on the line. We're going to trace the call. Right. And then calls back and there's just heavy breathing. She's like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. You know, what's going on? Who are you? And then she hangs the phone. The phone rings. Hello? It's the police. Okay, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm just going to ask you to put down the phone and all you're going to do is just walk straight out of the house. Just walk mm-hmm. to the front door and walk out of the house. It's like, why? What's happening? The call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, that's pretty fucking wild. That is scary, man. That is, yeah. So yeah, it's based off the babysitter and the man upstairs, partially based on the real-life murder of Janet Christman, a teenage babysitter who was murdered in 1950 and whose killer or killers have never been caught. Ew. Right? Scary. (laughs) Ew. I love sitting with Kyle and revealing something real. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't know they were never caught. Now, to piggyback off of that, that's 1979, 1974, of course, Bob Clark released Black Christmas. Now, we've mentioned this several times. I know. And I love it because it always comes up. I mean, we got to do Nostalgia Junk Hall of Fame at some point, and Black Christmas is on there. Yeah, for sure. Now, this is, uh, again, a telling of the babysitter and the man upstairs in theory, um, as it is a phone call within the house. The real life serial killer that Moore based his script on was that of Wayne Bowden, aka the vampire rapist who killed five women in the Montreal area from 1969 to 1971. Oh my goodness. So that was a real event mm-hmm. that inspired an urban legend inspired film. Yeah, took that idea but then played up the the call right. is, the call is coming from inside the house babysitter kind of home alone in the house, yeah. 
Yeah. Even though there was multiple people in the house, but right. Yeah. That idea of just, yeah, the call coming from inside. That's like the ultimate punchline to those kind of stories, you mm. know, the impact. Yeah. Brutal. Now let's talk about, and I'm just trying to, yeah, trying to think of those movies that, you know, those classic old um, lore type, mm. you know, urban legends stories that gets passed down. Uh, it makes me think of the idea of Cropsy. Ooh. Does he have a first name? Well, in the fake world, no. Oh. But in the real world, because Cropsy was real, in a way. Mm-hmm. The surname Cropsy first appeared in New York around the colonial times. A famous early Cropsy was the painter Jacob Cropsy, who was from Staten Island, but wound up being buried in Sleepy Hollow, obviously a, another famous urban legend site. But sometime around 1900, the legend of Cropsy Maniac was born in and around New York. Mm-hmm. Now, that takes us to the burning, where it's loosely based off of the New York urban legend Cropsy. The film followed a group of camp counselors as they are murdered off one by one by a caretaker who was just released from the hospital after a near fatal prank by campers leaves him horribly disfigured, driving him to the seek revenge. Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't sound like one of the best slashers you have never watched, sure you've seen it all before, but have you seen it with the man that looks like Freddy Krueger underneath Jason's mask? I don't think so. Oh man, I would hope people have seen The Burning. The Burning's had such a, you know, a resurgence, I guess, over the years yes, in that people are, you know, talking about how good it actually was and uh, you know, it's an early Tom Savini. It's got Jason Alexander with hair. <laughs> You know, I mean, Jason Alexander with hair is an urban legend. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only revealed on the burn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love, again, a great revenge type urban legend story, you know, yes. that's passed down. It starts with the reenactment of what happened to Cropsy. You know, a prank gone wrong yep. by these campers, you know, burned alive in his little cabin. And then later comes back to, you know, enact his revenge on some other campers. Poor campers. Yeah. So, I mean, like this, this in terms of like, is this an urban legend or not? It totally is because this story could be told anywhere, anytime. As long as you have a creepy woods section. Yes. You can't help but think, are you walking into the woods? Are you going to get crops? Or are you going to get the Blair Witch? I know. Two very different villains. But, but both exist in the woods. Both are going to get you. The woods are, woods are creepy. Yeah. Now. I'm not going to get into this in terms of an urban legend, but I mean, at the same time, horror movies create icons that can exist in our minds when we step foot into certain environments. Mm-hmm. You think of the woods, you've also got Jason Voorhees. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, exists in the fake world and doesn't haunt me, definitely, but you can see how quickly your mind races and conjures up stories mm-hmm. at any time. No wonder these movies are endless because there's always people to be killed. I know. Also, um, and you and I have talked about this, even Michael Myers. Like, Michael Myers is not a urban legend, but the kids refer to him as a boogeyman, and the notion of the boogeyman is an urban legend. That's true, and I would, I would, that, I would, I think that qualifies because even at the remember at the start of um, it's at the start of Halloween, uh, well, at least present day, let's say, of Laurie Strode's present day Halloween. Yes, it's implied. Through Tommy, everyone knows what the Myers house, everyone knows what happened at the Myers house. Good point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even Lori must know what happened at the Myers house. Yes. Because like the little Tommy's like, you can't go in there. That's spook house. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love his little, his little voice. Wow. <laughs> you play a little kid so well. You can't go in there. Yeah. That's spook house. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so it is a legend in Haddonfield. It exists in that in, in that world. Yeah, and whether or not that's real to us in terms of like, is that a real world place? It exists within the universe that it's created. But I was even speaking earlier about that house that existed in in when I was a sure. kid in Sackville about like it was just a haunted house. Like it was a derelict haunted mm. house, and you just were scared walking past it. That's that's the Michael Myers house. Now Nova Scotia has its own ghost lore. Mm-hmm. We have a good amount of ghost stories in a port city that's mm, been around for you know a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Bill Jessam made a whole career off of publishing and covering the ghost stories of the Maritimes. You don't have to believe that they're real, but they're part of our culture. Yeah. They're part of our upbringing. They're part of our storytelling. And when you see movies that kind of seem similar, you almost want to believe that your own ghost stories could be true. Oh, I believe it. So when you see a movie like Halloween and you see Michael Myers embodied physically in the movie, you're thinking like, shit, like, I bet you that's Cropsy. I bet you that's somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah, it's it's that I love. I mean, I guess horror films, that's that's their design. But, you know, the legend turns out to be real is always terrifying I to love me. It. I love it. I love too. it, dude. <laughs> Not necessarily honorable mention, but kind of grayer area borderline the necronomicon from the evil dead i mean hp lovecraft wrote about the you know the necronomicon so long ago but the idea of the book of the dead has existed and just like as lore for so long while the evil dead series is not really about urban it's not an urban legend per se you know because it, it it attached itself to Ash, and then that's that's the end of it. But it deals in something that we as like just right. human beings have known about for generations. Sure, and if if the Necronomicon could be an urban legend, so could the Ouija board. And yeah. how many horror movies base itself off of conjuring up the devil? Uh, Reagan, hello, generated the the devil possessing her by playing with a Ouija board. So she said she was playing with Ouija board, there and Captain go. Howdy showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there was a Ouija board uh, in Hereditary, and I'm sure Hereditary could be an urban legend where there's a there's a conjured up evil old woman in your family heritage, and it passes it along. Oh, that movie's so creepy, so fucking good. That wide shot of the old woman across the street waving at her <laughs> while traffic's like going by. <laughs> I always think about these certain images from movies that really get me. You know, when we go back to talking about Candyman, uh, very Hitchcockian. Really, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Hitchcock was the master of suspense, obviously. But um, part of his delivery and how he framed uh, suspense was that you get to know something that the actors don't. So the good guys don't know of the terror on the other side of the door, but you do. Mm-hmm. A lot of that exists within Candyman. You get to see something in the reflection that they don't see. Mm-hmm. Something in the shadows. Another type of storyline that I love is for something like Candyman. Uh, and also something like, damn, what was I just thinking about? Ah, anyways, but Candyman works. The um, oh, eight millimeter. A yes. tie-in of those two movies is that it, the 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 idea of or the storyline of a character research or like researching, yes. going in completely cold, like we are the viewer, yeah. and we're going along with them, right? And finding out the story and finding out Shouldn't everything gone in. as the character finds it out. That's that's Shouldn't awesome. Have gone in, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that, that is part of the magic of these films, is when the film aligns you with the emotions of the character or your curiosity. You know, yeah, so yeah. the racism aside for Candyman, mm-hmm. you're going into this area that she wants to research. You don't know what you're going to find because mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she's going to find. But you have, you have an idea of what they're looking for. 
You just don't know how it's going to present itself. And that's part of the horror. Mm-hmm. Candyman is, you know, about something. The story gets revealed right. layers to layers to a story. It's not just a, a slasher, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. But it has those elements, has those nods because mm-hmm. it's part of the theme and the delivery that makes it so terrifying. It's stuff that we're familiar with, but also unfamiliar with. Let's break it up a bit. Here's a fun one. 1980 alligator. And okay, this, I, I haven't seen this one. Now, yet. I listed this in one of my like either honorable mention or top list of 1980 horror because 1980 horror was kind of a weird year for horror. Very, very early years of the slasher to the point where it wasn't really a genre yet in 1980. What is the urban legend here? Flushing reptiles down the toilet and then mutant-sized reptiles growing in the sewers underneath it's just cities. It's almost like one of those things that a parent would just tell the child to scare them. You right. Know, that's like, how we those... can't buy an alligator because, you know, yeah. we're going to have to flush it. Don't flush it down the toilet because it'll go in the sewers and it'll grow into an adult-sized alligator. The next thing you know, you're going to have just like, all kinds of alligators in the sewers. <laughs> Uh, okay. It makes sense to a kid. It makes, right. actually, it still kind of makes sense to me right now. Sure. If you haven't seen it, I will say you're not missing out. <laughs> I will say you should see it because it is really, really fun. It's a really good creature run amok, nature run amok film. Nature run amok. The alligator effects in Alligator are fantastic. <laughs> are they? They're so good. It's fun, but there is an urban legend there. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to talk about this one because this one's very near and dear to my heart. 1984, West Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, we should have talked about this along the lines of something like Halloween because, yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah. And again, a movie that doesn't appear on any of these like discussions or lists that we find online. But the that the idea of Nightmare on Elm Street to me is pure urban legend. The idea that Freddy Krueger was a real person that existed in this world. Mm-hmm. So the parents killed him, burned him alive. So while I guess up until the point of Nightmare on Elm Street, he's never showed himself. Like sure. he exists as this story. He exists as he this, died with the parents. He, this secret that these parents have held that they killed this dude. That was killing kids or molesting kids or whatever. So now Freddy is now haunting the dreams of the kids of the parents that killed him. You know, that's a great story. It, it's a great urban legend. It's almost one of the greatest horror concepts I think I've ever even heard. Like, yeah, from, no, it really origi- is. That was an original screenplay by Wes Craven. Like, Very ama- original. Amazing. So the idea, though. So, yes, Freddy can exist in the world of A Nightmare on Elm Street as an urban legend. And truly, you could tell this story to a kid and then be like, shit, like, this is pretty crazy. I know. Don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. But we all have to sleep at some point. If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. (laughs) The idea that inspired Wes for this film came from an LA Times story about a young Cambodian refugee suffering from night terrors who died in agony in his sleep. Terrifying. And part of that was they found a an extension cord running to a coffee maker hidden beside his bed so that he wouldn't fall asleep. That's right out of A Nightmare on Elm Street. So he was secretly he was secretly making coffee trying to not to fall asleep because of the night terrors. Oh my goodness, that's terrifying. Yeah. Poor guy. So you you, you talk about mental health and you talk about insanity and mm. like by definition mania is just the same actions over and over with the same outcome negatively speaking. Mm-hmm. So if the coffee wasn't working, at some point the body shuts down and just falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Well, if he was already in fear of falling asleep, he died from fright. Yeah. Wow. Terrifying. So that, that concept was what Wes took and said, okay, I had an experience as a kid where there was a creepy man walking the streets and I looked out the window and I saw him 
and he looked at me and then I disappeared and I came back and he was even closer to the screen, oh. right? Like it's, it's such man, a crazy what idea. A, a perfect formula, man. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm so sorry. Wes encountered that as a I kid, know. Yeah. but him linking that concept of this is what Freddie will be yeah. to this concept of teens not sleeping. Yeah. What a what this, amazing story! Yeah, this yeah to the idea that this this person that he saw outside of his window is going to kill this person in his sleep. He's yes. going to attack his dreams. Yeah, yeah. I think A Nightmare on Elm Street and Blair Witch Project are my top. I know. Urban I gonna, legends. I, now that we're talking about, it, I'm like, wow, Nightmare on Elm Street, like perfect yeah. urban legend. Aside from film. Candyman, of course. But well, Candyman, yeah. If we're talking about slashers, then we can talk about 1997. I know what you did last summer. 90s slasher film that was loosely inspired by the urban legend of the hook or the hook man who was a faceless man in a raincoat with a hook hand that would terrorize teenagers. I mean, hello, this writes itself. I know what you did last summer was surprisingly good in the wake of Scream hmm? because again, another Wes Craven creation. It was just so well done. Yeah, really. I just watched Scream the other night and it was so much fun to watch an old horror again, like feel fresh mm-hmm. because there's something about Wes Craven movies that tap into, let let me reinvent something. Mm-hmm. Like he reinvented something each time he put out a, a new version of a film. Now I'm not talking about the Scream sequels. I'm talking about just Scream, period. Boom. These are big, big horror movies to not only the horror world, but to film. But also what he did with Scream was to... I, yeah, like like you're saying, like let's take it one step further. Let's take all these legends sure. or urban legends of horror films, these like horror film kind of rules and tropes and stories and things that we've been passed down to general. And like, let's all put it into a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's incredible. And again, uh, the uh, the trope of the phone call. Mm-hmm. That's the opening. Of oh the my screen. god! And it's like one of the best openings in horror films ever. And and that itself, like that, calls back to you know uh, when a stranger calls. Well, yeah, it was gonna, like that moment of while he's while he's not in the house, the moment of why do you want to why do you want to know all this? I want to know who I'm looking at. Oh, what'd you say? Like what? I want to <laughs> know what? who I am talking to. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, Drew Barrymore. What? Oh my God. There you go. I mean, I I didn't even think of Scream really, but Scream does exist in the same world that Black Christmas and... When Jamie Kennedy's going through the rules of horror films, it's like kind of urban legendish, you know? Most certainly. And whatever you do, when you leave a room, don't say... I'll be right back because you won't be back. <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just gonna go get a beer. Do you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Again, playing like they, they don't think it's real, but it's real. So all of the tropes that he lists, could that not be a part of the urban legend that exists <laughs> within horror? I guess. Like no sec. The urban legends of all horror the slashers films, are yeah. gone. All <laughs> slashers are urban legend. I know. <laughs> yeah. My Bloody Valentine. Oh, that's a great one that was never <laughs> Yeah, we didn't considered. talk about that one, yeah. And, and The and, Legend of Harry Warden. Of course. <laughs> yeah, set in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Hey. Hey. But, I mean, that's one that wasn't exploited. And maybe that's why we still love the story of My Bloody Valentine so mm-hmm. much, is that it wasn't overdone. Yeah. But, my so, God. But in that world, they know the, well, the sheriff, the kids know it and they joke about The Legend of Harry Warden, but... The sheriff, remember when the heart or like the, oh, in the the candy box shows up? He's like, "Oh my god, it's freaking out!" Like it's really happening. He knows. Again. He knows. Yeah, he knows that he shouldn't be fucking with that shit. That will haunt that town. The setting within the film 
mm. can create its own urban legend. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's an urban legend that impacts you, I think it can exist within the film mm-hmm. strong enough that it's like, this town will never be the same because of it. Exactly. Yeah. Even if it happened a hundred years ago, yes. if you live in that town, oh, you're going to know about the legend of Harry Warden. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll survive forever. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes a great urban legend. The Slender Man. This is fairly recent. You and I were talking about this Ooh, right before yeah, we this recorded. Is interesting. You know a little bit more about it than I do. I think it was IGN. They published a review of a game, and it was an independent game. They gave it a 10 out of 10. Mm. They said, this is one of the greatest horror video games you will ever play. That's so and it's called, And it's an independent game. It was so cheap. The graphics weren't even good. It was called Slender, and it involved you walking around a woods trying to find little tokens uh, you needed to find like five tokens. But if you encountered Slender Man, who mm. is a guy in like a black suit, long arms, white head, and he, but he was motionless. You couldn't stare at him too long or you'd go insane. So you had to turn away. I don't think you know how effective this game actually was. No, I didn't If you play, play this game at night, I seriously, it seriously induced like mad anxiety. Like it's an insane horror game because the idea of the game being over is enough for you to be. And not only that, if you look, if you turn your your character and you see Slender off in the distance in the woods, just staring at you, uh, distorted sounds and white noise starts like oh. amping up, and it really does affect you. As opposed, so the but the best part at one point you find yourself in it's almost like a like a campground bathroom type structure yeah. where it just involves hallways. So if you turn the corner, <laughs> if you're walking in and you turn a corner, you'll and he'll just be there. Staring at you, and you, oh my god, and you had to turn your camera away. Man, the game was scary as hell. So, I think that's where Slender Man first started. So, but then it, the idea of that of the Slender Man grew on the internet through like stories and what's it called? The no sleep uh subreddit, which involves just right. like lore and things being created out of this idea. Um, but I think I know where you're going with the movie version of, yeah. Like in its basic form, he's tall, spindly, well-dressed, with no face, who sometimes has tentacles coming out of his back. 2014, two Wisconsin girls took the online meme to its extreme when they stabbed a classmate and told them Slender Man and instructed them to do it. It's just insane that that actually happened. Like, I feel so bad for everybody involved, including the little girls that's just like, you know, so broken by this idea. That's obviously fake. I know. But that's insane how a legend can infiltrate the mind you know so brutal so brutal i think finally i think we'll end it on this one is the obvious movie called urban legend (laughs) which i'm embarrassed to say i know it has rebecca gayhart in it but i have not seen this well i mean i watched it recently and (laughs) well i I mean uh, this is the movie that actually uh, a couple weeks ago i mentioned uh, a horror movie having a rob zombie spook show baby in the soundtrack yeah she's a thriller she's a killer spook show baby i love your rob zombie impression yeah i am the astro creep a demolition style have american freak yeah oh anyway that soundtrack had spook show baby anyway when a series of murders take place in and around her university Natalie, who is played by Alicia Witt, begins to suspect that the deaths are inspired by various urban legends. And I personally think that is the downfall of the film. They tried to cram too much 
into a greatest urban legends greatest hits into a horror film yeah like you have a hundred minutes i guess scream did a horror film greatest hits but but the tropes of scream are played through the entirety of scream indirectly yeah like urban legend one is just called urban legend but then there's there's multiple there's two, <laughs> wait, two wait. sequels i had no idea yeah urban legends Final Cut, which was released theatrically in 2000, and the direct-to-video Urban Legends Bloody Mary in 2005. Oh. Uh, Urban Legend was just cramming way too much in the time period. Obviously, like, it had Tara Reid, which in the late 90s, American Pie. I mean. Nick Lebowski, Jarrett Leto's in it, Joshua Jackson. This is is also kind of a- (laughs) Joshua Jackson, wow. Yeah, Pacey. This is also like a, a greatest hits of actors and actresses. I was going to say, like, yeah, the, the, you know how they say the Brat Pack of the 80s? What's the version of the 90s? The, the Grunge Gang? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and this film did have, um, you know, the guest appearance of both Robert Englund and Brad Dourif. Of course, Robert Englund being Freddy Krueger and Brad Dourif being the voice of Chucky. Yes. What better way to up a movie that was less than mediocre than to have someone who will get some eyes on it right away? But yeah. part of part of watching, you know, crappy horror movies is do they play up the greatest hits to the audiences? Jump scares. Can't really recall the gore being too fantastic, but well timed, poorly timed with uh I know what you did last summer, mm. obviously another urban legend style horror film. That was a monster though. Yeah, that was, but that was good. Yeah. Um, this also has the, the hook hand man in the back seat mm-hmm. kind of story. There's like a puppy in the microwave. Oh yeah. We, I think we covered a lot. I think we covered <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So if you have any urban legends that we missed or we didn't touch on enough, please share. As always, thank you so much for the continued support, the downloads, the likes, the retweets, just even the comments. Like, I just love when people write back and weigh in yeah. on their favorite moments, not about our show, but just their own topical discussion. You know, it's it's so much fun to see that. And that's really what this is all about. Uh, you know, just sharing our, our nostalgia and linking up with other people. It's a labor of love. You know it. You know it. <laughs> you fucking know it. <laughs> Rob Gillen, shout out. <laughs> now I'm Matt for Nostalgia Podcast saying, every town has an Elm Street. And I'm Kyle for Nostalgia Podcast saying, I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me.